everybody, welcome back to Visual Novel Book Club. I'm your pal Slovy. Of course, my good friend Jim. Hey, everybody. My good friend Rosella. Hello. My good friend Turbo C. Hello. My good friend Oren Ronan. Good evening. My good friend Polo Hoko. Hey. Full cast. We did it. Again. Yeah. We did it. This is it. Well, this isn't it, but this is... <laughs> this is the end. Something. <laughs> something's happening that's very it-like. No more chapters after this one. That's right. But uh, this is, yeah, it's um, it's a good year. It's 2022. It just started so far, you know. From, for people listening to it, it's probably been like two months since the year started. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> See, I, w- I was going to have a joke where it's like we say like Happy Thanksgiving or Merry Christmas or some other like holiday that's not even close. That's good to come up with on the fly and not tell anybody about that kind of joke, too. So we yeah. can all like run with it. Yeah. So now it's just you get to pretend. Imagine. Yeah. Imagine the imagine the timeline where that joke was told and we all laughed, I hope. Um look, look, look. This that's great and all, alright. But um I think the thing we're all here to talk about is like why it's been a while and we're all struggling to remember the events of the last reading because of holidays and everything. Right. So the big question I think we all have is what the hell happened at the end of chapter four? Well where did we leave off? We did. We left off at the point of the uh, the wound watch, or actually the unwound mm-hmm. watch, uh, potentially being the time of death, or actually the opposite of that, not being the time of death. And we needed to investigate the redheaded league, the two people that we saw in the uh, in the office earlier. The I refer to them as the Mario and Luigi that I don't particularly care for. Okay. <laughs> The second time we've had a, a Luigi and Mario Brothers. Yeah, I mean, when you've had one Mario and Luigi that's really good, and then you have these guys, it's, you know, it's not, it's not the same. Right. So who are these guys? I've forgotten their names. It's one of them is DeRossi, and I'm sure that that's a, a reference to, to something. And then... I think it's, it's De, 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 De Rosso and DeRossi, one French and one Italian, both means red. Mm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I get it now. One of them is, mm. is... The problem is they are obnoxiously French and obnoxiously Italian. These two. And, and they, had a good, they had a good scheme. They almost got to get away with it. Yeah, and they're willing to talk openly and, and admit it. Even though, yeah, they did, they did kidnap a police officer in the middle of it, but other, other than that, they had a good scene. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> the best laid plans, right? Or... <laughs> So, what is the scheme behind the Redheaded League? Yeah, so so it's it's a little it's a little less complicated than the one uh, in in the actual story. The Redheaded League, they just mm-hmm. wanted to get money from the people coming in to audition for the Redheaded League role. It's basically the Ponzi scheme, like from a magazine, where it's like, oh, you could be a part of the Redheaded League if you just uh, talk to us, and of course, pay a nominal registration fee. Right. Yeah, these guys aren't really that original. Yeah. <laughs> well, you could say they did it first. It works, right? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you know, it does. It, it seems to work. I mean, it worked on Holmes, you know, or Sholmes rather. Because he paid for it, presumably, right? Or no, they caught him out before then. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, it worked on Gregson also. Just the- well, did it work on Gregson or did it work on... Um- well, no, it didn't work on either of them. It's because the, the, the person is investigating it. He's, he's, he's sussed out that it's a scam. I, I think that's just cover. 
<laughs> I, I think I don't think uh, there is clever more clever than Sholmes in this story. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So, um, well, they get up on the stand. I remember that. And at first, they they cop to the do they they cop to their scheme basically. If I remember, and yeah, they're really open about pretty it. much immediately. I, I'm pretty sure because there's like an investigation for murder going on, so they'll openly admit to like the small time Ponzi scheme. Then they kidnap the cop, and they know they have it. <laughs> yeah, that. I'm just gonna. I'll admit that part. I was a little like. Not unclear per se, but it was just almost like, like that. That seems like the worst part of the plan, far and away. You know, which is, um, I mean, it wasn't part of the plan, right? Because, um, uh, what, what happens? Like Gregson's there, and he doesn't identify himself as a cop, right? Like they figure it out. I no, think he does. Or, I mean, we'll, we'll get- oh no, it's because the other guy came, right? Right. We'll get to that part though, because that's going to be revealed later. Yeah. So. The trial, it, it they asked if uh, they recognized Gregson. Did he go to the Redheaded League that day? And they look at the picture. They say, uh, no, we do not recognize that guy. And we are fairly confident that he did go because um, I think it's because we have his. Uh, do they give it us his identification or do we have that? Not yet, but we did. I think we know that he went there because it was in his um, a journal. Right. So we're we're asking the questions to help them remember. And one of the questions, the first one that I asked is like, well, was he eating fish and chips? And um, of course, they respond no, which if he wasn't doing that, then he probably wasn't Gregson. But uh, one of the questions we can ask is, did he tell you what his profession was? And they do say that there was somebody who claimed to be from Scotland Yard there that day. But it but it's not the person in the picture. But they do then present the identification like they had it. Yeah, yeah, they did have it. Yep. You you present some uh, identification as well, reasoning that you think he's there. Yeah, the, and, and they and they have it. They they actually have the um, whoever got into the yeah. And and the reason that they have it is because they think it's a fake. Because this guy came to the Red Hatter League that day and said that, you know, he was from Scotland Lard. Scotland Lard. Wow. Scotland Yard. It could be. It could be Scotland Lard. <laughs> Why not? Um, and he made a big deal about, you know, he was a, a cop and he's there undercover. Look at my uh, identification. And that seemed pretty odd to them. So they kept it. But also they were worried that he might actually be a cop and they didn't want to get found out so they decided to kidnap him just to be safe just a little a little kidnapping yeah it's just a little bit don't be a baby just to be safe kidnap the cop a tiny felony yep you know yeah it's a little white felony you know err on, err on the side of caution and kidnap this cop as they say yeah and Gina confirms that it is actually in fact Gregson's ID this is not a fake ID right and, and it's a big to-do where it's like, well, this is obviously a fake ID because no member of Skyland Yard would, you know, bandy that about, allow it to be stolen. Or if Gregson did allow it to be stolen, he would immediately report it. Right. But they do investigate it and it is the genuine article. So they're thinking, you know, maybe he didn't have a chance to report it or something to that matter. Yeah, especially if, according to the timeline, if, if he's dead, then, you know, if he's already killed at this point, you know... Then it couldn't have been, you know, and then, then someone takes his ID, so that could that could get it out there. Yeah. Um, n- now they are telling us about the kidnapping part of this of the story. 
And yeah, and they, they basically when when someone showed up um, and claimed they were a cop, they decided to just um, kidnap them for one night. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, I think what they want to do is kidnap them and then release them in the morning and so, so they can make their and, getaway, and, right? Yeah, because they were going to use the money to get away get away to France, I think. Yeah, and the way that the, the reason they didn't succeed was it because um, the ticket got lost or something like that. Um, it was like uh, didn't he like set it for the wrong day? It, I thought it was kind of like because um, uh, De, De, Ross, De Rossi right is like the one who keeps spilling the beans, but like and De Rosso blames him like it's like no, you got the ticket wrong, like you got the wrong day or whatever, and and like we could have left, but we had to wait an extra day because you messed up the date. And he keeps looking up at the other one with this OU face, like it's a big joke. Yeah. Well, they, they took they took um, the cop prisoner and they locked him in another room. But they also confessed that they had like a little bit of a fight with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a little bit turns out to be that apparently when De Rousseau has a little bit of a fight, he tries to strangle somebody and leaves a red mark on the neck. Right. He so they put him in the room and then he escapes through the vent and then they have to go get him again. And at that point, he puts like a collar around his neck and like drags him back to the room. Mm. And uh, I'm just going to call him the big one and the little one for right now. Uh, the little one has that same mark on his neck because apparently this happened to him also at some point. He's familiar with uh, how the big one apprehends people, and it's with a collar that leaves a specific mark. And they do that thing. They've done this a lot in this game where, like, you discover the, the ring around his neck and, his, and the judge is like, is this important? And you have to go, yes, it's important. It's like, fine, we'll include it in testimony. And it's like... I don't think it's ever not been important, you know, like it's never been the correct answer to be like, nah, forget it, you know, but yeah, but they liked it. So whatever we say, it's important. The problem with that is that the photograph of dead Gregson um, has no ring around his neck, so it can't possibly be the same person that they had in custody. Um, and then we have to figure out why, how that could be. And um we say that it was probably an imposter. It wasn't actually Gregson. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then okay. that lines up with everything about, you know, presenting the ID and saying that he was there undercover, but don't tell anybody. Shh. Mm-hmm. But then we actually have to um, tell the judge who who was in, in, um, pretending to be Gregson. And did you all get that at, on the first try? No. No. I actually... I I wanted to say um, the person in the picture first. Just because he kind of matched the description that the short one gave. Yeah, well, it turns out to be to actually be that person, but I, I did it too. Um, oh, you mean you guessed who it like is, but it's not the character per se? Yeah. So you mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I, yeah. I did that too. So you have to give the answer of uh, Mr. Gossip, the man with the twisted lip, because he does have that mark around his neck. Yeah, and by the way, last episode, that killed me because we, we, we all knew how the actual story, the man with the twisted lips, goes. And yet nobody thought that gossip was actually someone else. <laughs> Even you, Jim. I, I, was, I, yeah. I, I for sure thought that you would get it. Yeah. That we actually have a man with a twisted lip, so it must be fake. Well, as soon as I saw, as soon as you're like, point out who has a red neck, I'm just like, oh, yeah, the, the guy with the twisted lip, sure. I didn't read that story, and I didn't see it coming, and I was surprised as hell, and I loved it. <laughs> yeah, but, but the way we... I have to figure it out is because uh, 
uh, Gossip always had a red uh, ring around the neck, which I did, which I didn't actually notice the first time, so it wouldn't have helped me. But you, but you can you can see it in his profile picture. I kind of noticed it. I thought he was just I thought he just had a dirty neck or something. Like his face is dirty too. But in any case, when you look at the uh, profile pictures, um, you you can see it there. So yeah, Ryusuke does uh, something about it about the ring around his neck when we first see him, doesn't he? Does he? I I, he, I, he might I, have, I don't remember. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me though. They like to put little hints like that in there. Yeah, because I remember that's how I figured it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so now we call gossip to the stand. Yeah. So. We have to prove that that mark is the mark that was from the collar that was put around his neck. And of course, he wants to tell us it's a birthmark and he doesn't want us to pry into his personal life because he just he maintains that he's got nothing to do with this. Yeah, I think if you, if you keep going after um, uh, Durasso, he'll, he'll talk about the fact that um, Gossip used the name Hugh Boone, uh, I guess. And he, he actually does rent the room where Gregson was found. Which at this point, you know, it's this right, really yeah. putting the it really seems to be pointing everything towards whoever gossip is. Right. He says that he doesn't even go to that part of town, and um, Darossi says that he's seen him there, that he's been talking to a landlord there, and, and gave papers over with the name Hugh Boone. So yeah. he is connected to this case. And then, um, you know, if you just what do you call it? You just you keep pressing him. You show him the photograph, which is pretty clearly. Um, uh, the woman who approached us in the first, right at the beginning of this episode, um, Mrs. Vigil, and um, and then eventually, you know, it's very obvious that it's Daily Vigil. He doesn't want to admit it, but is if you keep pushing, obviously, he's just going to confess it. Yeah, okay, it is, and he he uh, it takes it. You know, the lips just pop off, like it just seems to just go straight off, like it's yeah. all just fake. And um, yeah, and then it, as soon as you you. You press him; it's just apparently that you know that he'll he'll show you know his actual true face. I, I like that if you actually look at the two photo, uh, the two pictures of them, they do have like the same kind of hair. Uh, yeah, you can kind of see it if you know it. Though that's how I made the connection. It's weird too, though, because like he's got, yeah, like his face like aligns with just you know certain changes. Clearly, he's like putting his jaw to the side, um, and his eyes are kind of covered by the hair, pressed down by the cap. Yeah, so it's it, it should be really obvious if, if I had thought about it. Um, but anyway, yeah, he says that after he he needed a way to... So in this case, unlike the, the actual man with the twisted lip, which is in that story, it's a guy who finds out that begging is actually more profitable. I don't know why Conan Doyle thinks it would be, but it apparently uh, it was more profitable than being a newspaper guy, a, a journalist. Um, but in this case, the only thing he could do... Uh, after being fired as chief warden is warder is to uh, be a peddler uh, doing the, the gossip stuff and it is not enough to actually keep them uh, keep his family um, you know cared for and all that kind of stuff to earn a living and so he supplements this by working for Gregson as Gregson's like body double so um, the reason why he goes in and flashes the badge around, even when he's supposed to be undercover, and keeps saying "I'm an, you know, I'm an inspector," all this kind of stuff, is because he's making himself known as Gregson to be someplace when it seems like Gregson needs an alibi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gregson comes to him. He doesn't know why they're doing all of this, but Gregson comes to him sometimes and tells him that he has to be at some place or another. Gives him uh, his ID, 
and tells him to just make a scene. Yep. It's like proof that Gregson is out and about and keeping the streets of London safe, yada, yada, yada. Vigil calls it a hoo-ha. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it. you know, I will say, like, this is pretty cool. And at this point, I have no idea what Gregson's really up to. You know what I mean, then? Because that's like immediately then it's like, why the hell does Gregson need a body double? You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think at this point it should be like really suspicious for Gregson about like being the actual Reaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, it can't be Gregson. He can't be the Reaper. I mean, he was so worried about, he was so worried about, um, about Gina. Like, why would he have been, been so freaked out about it and like smuggling her off to France? What it, what it feels like to me is that, that this is a case possibly where two people who aren't the Reaper are investigating each other and then... Ah. And the need to sort of, you know, hide the fact that you're investigating somebody makes you also look guilty to the other guy. What if they're both investigating each other as the Reaper and, like, killing criminals to kind of provoke the other Reaper? (laughs) And this is all, like, a big misunderstanding. And then we have a good laugh at the end of Chapter 4. Anyway. (laughs) A real O. Henry moment? I better kill some criminals (laughs) to throw them off the trail. I'm jumping ahead a little, but but we do learn... A little later that there's more people involved. I mean, Gregson is probably involved, but there are more people. So maybe he's worried about Gina because he might not want her killed, but he's worried that some of the other people involved in this are going to kill her anyway. Mm -hmm. I I trust Gregson with my life. You can't (laughs) take that away from me. I was stuck between Gregson's the Reaper or working with, yeah, or somehow like the Reaper or is secretly investigating the Reaper and has this body double to throw off whoever the real Reaper is, who he probably thinks it was, like, at Scotland Yard or is, like, Maelstrom or something like that. You know what I mean? That was, like, my two competing theories, which, like, don't count as anything because they're completely contradictory. But whatever. I mean, I started thinking Gregson might be the Reaper when they kind of point out earlier in the game where his opinion of the Reaper was kind of like, uh, that Reaper is okay. I think he does a good job. Like, that was Gregson's opinion. And that's usually... That usually leads towards him being it. So, my favorite part, unless anybody has other theory crafting, is the next testimony. It's not really my favorite part at all, really. Where we bring Gossip up to the stand, and we have to prove that he's actually somebody in a mask. Or, you know, disguised, and he is, and we know who it is, right? Wait, we already did that part. I'm sorry. Yeah, Never mind. Did. I was looking at my. I was looking earlier in my notes. I'm sorry. But but it is uh, one thing to that I really like to mention was when uh, the judge says uh, for the redheaded league to apprehend gossip. The animation on that was really good, and they're just like, "All right, yeah, let's get down into this. Let me start choking <laughs> people." <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, you have to admire Vigil because when the mask is on, he's totally in character. He's like wacky and animated and stuff. And then when he's when the mask is off, he's very he's like sad. He's not very animated at all. He touches his face a lot. He does. He does this weird like motion with his arms where it's almost like the hands of a clock or whatever. It's like a the like Madonna Vogue hands or something. Yeah, that's what I was getting to. <laughs> but I I uh I really do like the next testimony uh, because, like, after we've done all this, uh, Cosmo kind of rightly points out that basically it's proven that this has nothing to do with Gregson and our entire theory is shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then is like, so 
but while you're on the stand, I want you to testify about ten years ago. And the judge is just like, what? Does this... Does this have anything to do with the proceedings? And he's like, totally. I mean, obviously, right? Like, right now, Hodo? You're with me, right? Well, here's the thing. This is bullshit. Because this is the prosecution saying that these events from ten years ago have significance to this case. And if this were us, we would have had to present three or four different pieces of evidence to the judge and beg him to let us continue. But when Kazuma wants to do it, the judge is like, well, if you say so, and he doesn't have to prove anything. I think they, they do ask us if we agree to to that line of questioning, right? But he doesn't have to prove it is, is what I'm saying. How great would it be if we actually did say no and we just had to like, like he had to keep just presenting shit and doing stuff and bringing in witnesses, you know? <laughs> yeah, and you like, do it now. Yeah, just like 30 minutes of nice, easy, like kick your feet up and let the other guy flounder, you know? Maybe have a glass of wine while you're waiting. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> toss, toss some bottles into the, to the stands. <laughs> I think my learned friend has forgotten what year it is, right, Your yeah. Honor? <laughs> I mean, hell, you can call him your learned Nipponese friend. You can be like, go ahead. My friend from Nippon is going to take his chances now. If Kazuma loses all his points, does that mean we win? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I've never tried that before. That'd be great. <laughs> well, um, Vigil doesn't remember anything about what happened 10 years ago. It's all cloudy. Traumatized. Right. That's right. And he even specifically says, like, yeah, I don't know why I resigned. And we're like, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ASPSD? Absolutely. He does. For, like, legitimate PTSD, because yeah. as he sort of gets provoked by it, because like, you have to present, like, the dismissal notice, be like, oh, you were fired, dude. And he's sort of going through this, and, he's, and he, like, has this, like, revelatory moment where it all comes flooding back to him. And he realizes, and um, I guess content warning real quick, um, he attempted suicide after he was accused of being involved in it. He jumps out a window, um, which was like a, they, they suspected him of being involved in the um, the professor not actually being executed. Um, he's just he, right, being in on the jailbreak. Yeah. So he just apparently after someone is executed, there's only a couple people in the room. He's supposed to examine the body afterwards to confirm the death. When he walked in the court, the the, um, the coffin was nailed up. He just took the word of the people who had put them in, in the coffin and was just like, OK, I'm just going to sign the death certificate. And when it turned out, the professor wasn't actually dead. He's the first one accused, obviously, because his name is on that death certificate. I mean, yeah, because it was like only the. Uh the executioner and the coroner were in the room at the time. And we know who the coroner is because that was um, Stevens, but that's not her last name anymore. Um, Courtney. But I, we don't actually know who the executioner is, but they were the only two people in the room. And yeah, usually it's it's Vigil's job to nail up the coffin, but it it already was. But he guessed he didn't find that suspicious enough to, to like raise, a, raise an alarm about it. I think we learn all that later during the investigation. Right? Because right now it just faints and we end the trial. Right, but well, well, we do get the image of him being questioned and of the, the breaking glass and him going through it. Yeah. On another note about the animation, for all the times I've praised this game for having really good animations, the uh, way how they're showing um, visual just going like off the deep end in a way is just him spinning around at increasingly faster frequencies. I mean, it works for Punch-Out. <laughs> 
It didn't really work for Punch Out. But yeah, so he has to be taken to the hospital after he sort of collapses from all this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's the trial gets adjourned. Um, and then we go to the the end of this case, case which is the uh, investigation part two. Um, end of so, this chapter. Yeah. The end of the, right, this chapter. So this is this, the trial is going to be concluded this time. It's going to be concluded in the next. The next. I, I assume it's going to be included in the next chapter. Wouldn't it be something if we just skipped on to another one? Yeah. Like, yeah <laughs> we'll just assume that it works out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the guy is just going to execute uh, one six off, off screen, and yeah. <laughs> we can go into the next trial. Oh, let's see what Soseki's up to again. I tried my best, anyway. <laughs> Van Zeeks went back to his home planet. I guess we'll never know who the Reaper is. Well, anyway, off to Japan. <laughs> see here. So, um, what do you call it? We go back to Sholmes's suite now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the first thing they started talking about is is Kazuma and, and his insistence, the way he seems to be so obsessed with this, um, which, you know, is pretty obvious why he is you know this is this case is deeply connected to the the, the professor 10 years ago his father being accused of, and, and, and convicted and executed eventually um <laughs> and so he's, he's pursuing the truth here and it's you know it's obsessive and and you know uh Rinosuke and Sasato sort of you know talk about that um and I think that's when they get into um so the whole thing with the the, the um as they've sort of established this this timeline, it seems to because once you establish the imposter and the fact that that you don't know where Gregson was, um, uh, uh, it undermines the case that it wasn't Von Zeeks because it still could be Von Zeeks at this point. Even if even with clearly um, you know Vigil being involved, it, it could still be Von Zeeks. But the only way to to exonerate him is to establish that time of death. Like it has to be um, set for that day before, um, and you need that uh, to happen. Um, and sort of like you, you, you want to know, like you know, where is this coming from? You know, who, who, why is there no time of death on the on the, the death certificate? And I think the other two things they talk about is, um, um, you know, about this whole. So this is when they really get into the whole background of what's what's involved. That you know, sort of like why was Gregson using uh, an alibi? You know, what's what's he hiding there? And also that, um, I guess they point out that, you know, vigils in St. Sinners and they, they make a funny thing. Like, I guess there's only one hospital that's open yeah. right now. I mean, how many hostels do you need for the 13 residents of London? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could take care of that one floor. Don't even need to. There you go. Now we take Iris with us. Yes. To visit prisons and Lord Chief Justice office and places like that. A great places for a little girl. Well, she doesn't seem to mind. It's like we're not being irresponsible. No, she loves it, of course. <laughs> He's chaperoning us. I wouldn't have taken her to the morgue, though. Just a thought. Yeah. But uh, I think the first one I went to is the the Lord Chief Justice office. In which is funny because what you, you talk to him about it and it's like, you know, we did the, you know, the reason why there was a closed trial is because, you know, there's a, a you know, this is, you know, involving the the act, you know, this is, a, this is a prosecutor on trial and all this kind of stuff. And then uh, he just wanted, the reason why he, you know, he had Cosmo there was to be really a really quick trial. Like, he just wanted somebody, an outsider in there to, to do this, and they want it, want it done fast. And he's like, but the funny thing is, like, he knows that Cosmo has an ulterior motive. He's pretty, it's pretty clear that he understands what that ulterior motive is. 
and he mentions that this is going to cause them problems because it's going, you know, his his pursuit of the truth from ten years ago is going to extend this case, which is what he the last thing that he wants, which it demonstrably has. Oh well, <laughs> he doesn't. He could just take him off the trial. Yeah, when we first when we first go into the office, it's it's the two of them talking, and he's doing that thing where it's like, okay, no more. You need to stick to the plan or whatever. So he's clearly not happy with what Cosmo's doing. And it's clear that Cosmo's not going to do it either. He's just like, uh huh. I mean, yeah. He's like, well, what the fuck are you going to do? Stop me? <laughs> yeah. Like, you could remove me from the trial, but he's not going to do that either. What are you going to do? Send the Reaper after me? I'm not scared of him. The other big thing we do is we, we ask for permission to talk to Cosmo, which is just a dreadfully, like, childish thing to do. <laughs> but I guess we need it to know, like, even where he is. And it turns out, apparently, that he's staying in Von Zeke's place, because we really only have room for one prosecutor. And, uh, well, Von Zeke's is in jail, so... Hey, it's got a... It's not being used at the moment, so... Yeah, it's, it's a large office. They need to use it for something. But he's got to use a little table, damn it. <laughs> he can't use the big boy desk. You gotta go <laughs> sit down there. Von Zeke's gonna get out of prison and be like, you didn't sit at my table, did you? No. <laughs> but I think if we go there now, he's not there. Yeah. I went there a little bit later and he wasn't there, so. Yeah, you got to go to prison first, I think. Mm. Um, the only good thing that if you do go to prison is that um, he actually, like, what he starts off being mean again, and then I forget who says something to him. Um, it It's uh, Naruto. He basically says, is that really the way to talk to the person who's trying their best to def- prove your innocence? Von Zeeks is just like, you know what? You're right, actually. Yeah. And then he's totally amenable for like the rest of the conversation. Like he's back to being somebody who's polite and and you know and decent to you. Which is like doubly hilarious because uh, as soon as he decides to do that, his theme kicks in, and his theme is a bunch of ominous organ music. <laughs> so it's like, oh god, he's being polite, like to us. <laughs> what could this mean? It's a really good moment. But yeah, this is kind of an info dump, really, from Van Zeeks. Um, he starts off kind of admitting to us that he feels like this is kind of retribution against him for everything that he did, which what he did is just kind of allowed allowed himself to... What does he say? He let people think that he's the Reaper, the Reaper without... Reaper. Yeah, he didn't deny it. And his reasoning for that is, well, if people think that I'm the Reaper, then they might not do crimes anymore, so I'll just let it happen. He was Harvey Denting it. Yeah. <laughs> So then we have that, and then we have the information where he uh, gives us his uh, ideas on who the Reaper might actually be, and this is where we're kind of presented with the idea that Gregson is not the Reaper, but is involved with um, kind of the organization responsible for the Reaper. He has the brains, and he has an executioner. Calls him the tactician. Yeah. And then they drop the name of um, the assassin that he thinks is doing all of it, and it's the aptly named As- Asha-Sin. Yeah, and the, the famous Asian... Asha-Sin. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the... As- how do you say that? Asha-Sin, the, the Asian assassin. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying Asa to put Shin. it all together. Asha-Sin, the Asian assassin. Yeah, and as we know, Asha-Sin is a Giselle Brett. And she's dead. And she's dead. Mm-hmm. In Japan. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe. I don't know. We didn't see the body ourselves. It's by some reporter... I'm not a great assassin. I don't know, you know. I- <laughs> so now, now I can tell you the full name of the, the Japanese version of this. Um, mm-hmm. I, I tell you Sasha is the last name. So it's An Sasha. An Sasha. 
Oh, and I yeah. think Annie is a better name for, for, for an English woman than um, Asa, but... Asa, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, the word for assass- assassin in Japanese is uh, ansatsusha. And it does the trick where Sasha is written, if you know any Japanese writing, is written with a small tsu, and ansatsusha is a big tsu. So it's kind of the same. Oh, cute. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but it's also, you write it down and you change the small two to a big two and it's an answer to chat, which is just assassin. Um, yep. So it's basically the same pan. Ah, I see. That is a lot better. Little little, little wordplay, I get it. Yeah, yeah, except that assassin is not, doesn't really work for me as a name for an English lady. Yeah, neither of those names feel correct. That's the thing, like, A-Shin, when I saw, I could swear it would be a Japanese person. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean, when we warned the name at first, but then, what do you know? Yep, but I guess it's, that's one of those "what are you gonna do" kind of things. I guess you know, like you can't really need, like you can't use the killer because I think the second game did already. So you know, <laughs> and so after the after this big reveal of uh, A Shin being involved with Gregson, comes two things that are pretty much tell you that uh, Asogi probably isn't the killer <laughs> or wasn't the professor <laughs> because first off. Um, Van Zeke says he can't make sense of why his brother was murdered because everybody else before was corrupt aristocrats. His brother wasn't that. He was a prosecutor. Um, and, you know, he's yeah, sure that they come from uh, apparently noble blood, but there's, he's, you know, he's not another corrupt person involved in all this kind of stuff that's like actually harming the populace. And the second thing I, is... I want to stop you there for a second. I'm thinking there might be a little bias there because it's like, oh, all these other guys were assholes, but not my brother. He was good. Sure, it's a possibility, but I mean, the, the people who were killed were very openly, you know, sort of the, like, you know, the people that are in control of things. And at, at the very least, as a prosecutor, he's not high on that list. He's not somebody who's sort of the elite who are in control of society. Look at me, I'm a rich criminal. Nice to meet you. Yeah, oh. like, sure, I mean, you, you could be a tool. Yeah, Von Zeeks didn't have a mustache to twirl. Yeah. You can definitely be a tool as a prosecutor in ex- executing this stuff, but you're not part of the sort of the leadership. You're not letting you're not, you're not pe- the people who are calling the shots. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so he's not he's not a priority target at least. But the, the next thing he says is that Genshin Asogi saved his life at one point because they were investigating the whole professor thing together. Yeah, because Genshin Asogi was apparently practically family. They they just um, they were very good friends with him. Yeah. And, and they he admired him, which is part of the whole thing of why he, you know, his whole racism thing with the four, because he felt so betrayed by his friend. Um, and yeah, Genshin saved his life. This is supposed to be right before he kills his brother. The two don't add up, and it starts to become real obvious that, that the game is sending him in that uh, Genshin Asogi was not actually, actually the person doing this. He may have been involved in something corrupt, and it's but he's, he wasn't this actual mess, miller, mess, uh, mess killer. He he literally took a bullet for Van Zeeks. Yeah. So yeah, that sort of that throws another wrench in the in the in the works. Um, and, then, and then Van Zeeks is like, I can't believe my racism might have been unfounded. You know, but. <laughs> <laughs> It's the kind of thing where he starts saying it, and you expect to be like, you know what? Saying it out loud, it doesn't make much sense. Maybe I was wrong for the last 10 years. <laughs> I can't believe I, had, I impugned an entire race of people on such flimsy circumstances. What the hell was I thinking? I mean, sure, he saved my life before, but... I, 
I, I, I want to know. I want to see what that process was. It's like, well, this guy's practically family. He saved my life, but oh, now he definitely killed my brother. That doesn't make sense. What should I do? Oh, just be racist my whole life. I should stick to my forte, putting people in jail. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> hmm. Anyway. <laughs> but uh, who did he protect uh, Onzeeks from? Who did he take the bullet from? I don't think we know yet, right? Isn't that the whole thing? I, like, I think the thing was like it was just generic thugs. Two dudes with with guns. Yeah, as Clint's brother, he was like a target because they wanted to get to Clint, I guess. Okay, yeah, I for some reason had in my mind that it was the police, which would be wild, but probably not actually it. I feel like he might have mentioned that. No, yeah, the police are really on the up and up here in this game. No, I mean, I guess the police though would be on on Van Zeke's side, right? Unless, you know, unless he was like they couldn't control him or whatever. Yeah. Or he like took down a corrupt cop or something. You know what I mean? Like prosecute like agreed to prosecute or yeah. whatever. I mean, yeah, it could be a million things in this in this crazy world of ours. But yeah, th- either way they were explicitly saying it's it's Von Zeke's get him and Genshin <laughs> takes the bullet. Sorry, I just imagined that scene in my head and it was funny. Well, that, that's all the info dump we get from, from Van Zeeks right and now. And it was kind of an info yeah. dump. He just kind of, like, blabs all this before. Like, before he wouldn't say anything to us, but now he's just perfectly comfortable about saying all this. Yeah, this whole this whole investigation is a series of info dumps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, since he did tell us that, like, Asashin was, you know, an assassin uh, sent to Japan, we figure that maybe we should, like... I don't know, tell the Japanese government about this? No, hmm. why? What are they going to do? That's a, that a ridiculous suggestion. When has government ever solved anything in this game? <laughs> Whoa, let's keep the Phoenix right polit- politics to a minimum here, everybody. <laughs> so we uh, we decide to go back to, to visit uh, Suzata's dad and see, I think, just try to send a telegram. Oh, wasn't it uh, to uh, to Japan? Herlock Sholmes that gives us a telegram that we have to send. Yeah, I think I think I that's think it. I think that's later. But I, at least I thought we wanted to talk to Mikatoba about the whole. Like, by the way, did you know that? Uh, I mean, no. See, the, the other thing is we don't want to talk uh, in front of Iris about, um, you know, Wilson being murdered. Right, because this we is now still we have cruel. a yeah. We have a name to put with uh, Wilson's murderer now, so we have to talk to him about it. But, like, I'm not, like, I kind of get it early on, because it's like, oh, I don't know how to break this, and whatever, but, like, it's been a while now, you know what I mean? Like, you can, you know, and I know, but whatever. It's like, you know, come on, but anyway. Well, this entire game is people withholding information from each other. Like, everybody, all the time, is just not saying everything. Yep. Just take a shot every time someone says, I can't tell you that right now. Yeah. Not right now. When the timing's right. People go into like a restaurant and they the people behind the counter are like, what do you want? And they're like, I'll tell you tomorrow. <laughs> Can you just do that? You know what I mean? Like if you're if you like miss a deadline at work and it's like, Slobi, where's that report? And I was like, I <laughs> I will tell you what happened to the report, but it's not the time for it. Yeah, you just have to upsell it. You just have to upsell. He's like, now's not the time to discuss that. <laughs> well, we, we do um, talk to Mikotoba about Dr. Wilson, though. Um, like, Iris is kind of smart enough to take... Uh, not Iris, um, Susato is smart enough to take Iris away for a while. So we're going to talk to Mikotoba about uh, Dr. Wilson. Um, and Mikotoba says that he's pretty sure 
he knew Dr. Wilson, obviously, because he invited him to Japan. And he's pretty sure that he wasn't Sholm's partner, ever. He's like, no, I can, I can tell you for a fact that he was not ever Sholm's partner. Which is a, a very emphatic statement. Does he reveal the association between Wilson and himself yet, or is that later? No. No. Uh, between Wilson and himself, I, I'm pretty sure he did. Well, we, we do know that they were f- uh, acquaintances because he's the one who invited Wilson to Japan in the first place. Yeah, that was from the last game, yeah. And they obviously worked together when he was a student in in Britain. Um, but yeah, but that's curious because if Dr. Wilson was never Holmes' partner, then whose notes are these? How would he know that? He would have had to be with Holmes like all the time. Weird. Anyways. And then the other thing they have is... Um, uh, the judges out like exploring the great exhibition, um, but they uh, you know look the picture we took together the group photo we have, and let's enter it in the court record for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, I'm sure just this put won't come it up in later. there. It won't mean anything. Yeah, just, you know, just a picture. It's just a nice yeah. picture. We want you to look at it. Not everything has to be about trial, you know. We can have the court record be our pleasant souvenirs. <laughs> well, I mean, there is the armband that thus far hasn't served any purpose. You know, there's an achievement if you show that to Van Zeeks. Yeah. And I got it. Wait, what's the name of it? Oh, um... Hold on a second, let me see here. Well, I guess it wasn't that important of an achievement then, was it? Well, it was toward the platinum, so yeah, it was. Thank you. Uh, let's see. The trophy. Yeah, I treat each individual achievement like it's a platinum. Yeah. <laughs> I know the name of every achievement I've ever gotten. Amateurs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the one good thing is uh, that um, after that goes in. Oh, wait. Then the next thing that happens is uh, Mikitoba takes Rinosuke aside and says he wants him to return to Japan. Yeah, that was the favor that he wanted. We're short on defense attorneys, and we and you clearly are a good one, so we need you to go back. He's he's really really nice to us about it. He's like, no, like you you really impressed me. Really seeing you in trial today just really inspired me. I know you're the man for the job. It's he's he's really buttering us up. It's very sweet. Yeah. Anyways, get on the boat right now. Please. Yeah, don't investigate any further. Ask no questions. <laughs> but of course, for some reason, Renosky hasn't thought about this before. He's like, oh no, I thought I'd just stay in London forever, but no, and I did. Obviously, there's no answer given right now, and um, you know he, you're going to conclude this trial. So you sort of move on, and that's when Holmes comes up and is like, "I need to, I need to send the telegram." Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't talk to her father at this particular point, and leaves it with Sasato to deliver. Um, and he takes off, and then Iris needs to. Iris calls for the the, the carriage and. Uh, and now it's time to go over and talk to Daily Vigil in his hospital bed and get some more info dumps. Yep. It's always sad when someone's in the hospital for info dumps. So we walk up to him and we're like, so about your trauma. Yeah. <laughs> Very serious condition. This is when really we get the details that I think I talked about earlier that, that Vigil had said that Gregson, you know, I just need alibis. I need you to, to show up someplace and, and, you know, and cover for me when I'm, I'm investigating the Reaper. Um, and uh, it, because and then he also gets into sort of the details of the escape and that he believes that he had uh, that so he had assistance because of the whole thing with the, you know, the sort of the, the coffin being nailed shut and this kind of thing. Um, and so the last time and this is going to be real important, the last time that the vigil interacted with uh, Genshin Usogi was um, when he was he was 
he wasn't the, he was allowed a lot of comforts uh, despite being accused of all these murders in his prison. But the one thing he wasn't involved allowed was with writing instruments. And Vigil discovers that he does have actual pen and paper, and he's writing what he says is his last will and testament. And um, he also describes it as a weapon, um, and that this in this kind of vague alluding to these kind of things clearly set this whatever whatever he was writing as something important because after the whole thing with the botch execution and 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 the escape and the his him actually dying um they search through Asogi's effects and the will isn't there and the actual head of the prison um i forget what that guy's name was uh, but he Harry was clearly Barricade. desperate yeah he was clearly desperate to find it and he knew it was there, despite him not like there was no reason he sh- should have known that those papers were there. Yeah, and when he's looking for it, instead of calling it the will, he refers to it as the Asogi papers, which just sounds like he's trying to take down the government, like right away. <laughs> um, and so it's time to go talk to the prison governor. To go talk to old Barry Caden. Um, yeah, and uh, then we'll get an info dump from him. <laughs> And like, uh, Vigil like begs us not to tell anyone that he told us about this, and I just find it very funny that we immediately go to Caden. We immediately go there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who like, like, who else is going to have told us this? We dredge up the guy's most like the worst memories of his life. Put him in the hospital. He's going to have to admit to his wife that. Uh, well, actually, no, he might not have to because this was a closed case, and uh, yeah, there was no jury or anything, so he could continue that lie if he wanted to. Except that now his uh, his income has been turned off again. Oh yeah, his income is gone. So no, he's he's definitely admitting to his wife that he's been lying for ten years. Plus, the fact he's just been missing for four days in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how are we going to break that? Hey, we found him. We found your husband. <laughs> he's in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's about how. Now give me my money. <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, at least, you know, he's in the hospital. At least that gives you some time to, uh, it seems like a reasonable, uh, excuse for being AWOL. Uh, you, and you get to, you get some pity right away, probably. So if you can leverage that, you might be able to get a story out of it. I wonder if he has a GoFundMe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> too bad he didn't come up with that first, too. No. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, when we go to the, to, to talk to, to Barricade in the, um, that the, he, he's convinced that it was the Courtney Scythe, Courtney, whatever her name was at the time, and, and Daily Vigil were the two that had to have been responsible um, because she signs, you know, she's the uh, the coroner and he's, he's supposed to be, he's the one who's supposed to confirm um, and he doesn't believe that he wasn't involved. Um, and he also gives us the information now that now that Courtney Scythe is not no longer, you know, uh, as the coroner that for this case, the person who filled out that, that death, uh, the, um, the, uh, Gregson's uh, autopsy and everything was was her her daughter Maria Gory. Um, so she's the one who you're gonna have to talk to about this. He also mentions that uh, Scythe is not allowed to take any visitors. Yeah, which is is very interesting. It it very much seems like someone does not want what she knows getting public. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of cover up things happening here. Yeah, and then when you talk about the Asogi papers and them being missing, Caden says, no, they aren't. I have them right here. And so he passes over what are presumed to be the actual Asogi papers. And it is, you know, it's clearly writing in Japanese uh, that they don't understand or claim not to understand. Um, and uh, he also asks uh, Rinoskin to keep it confidential. Uh, 
uh, he says that he don't have anything to do with Grayson's case, but um, you know we don't know for sure now. Um, but he, he agrees to keep it confidential, and that's and then um, you finally get to talk to Cosmo at this point. If you go to the prosecutor office, he's there. Mm-hmm. Also, we can we can read the will and testament. Then Caden just says it's like eh, it's just some really boring. You know, I leave everything I'm into my son. Blah blah blah. And uh, Suzanne's like, no, that yeah, that that is basically it. That's all it says. Yep. So no answers to be found there. If these are the real Asogi papers. Big if. Yeah. Sounds like you're pretty skeptical there. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know why I would be. There's maybe one or two one or two situations happening here. Either those are completely forged documents uh, written by somebody else or... Somebody else who knows Japanese. Yeah, well, uh, it could be some. I don't know. Maybe it's the judge or something. Um, or it's one of those like Marvin Acme things where it's like it's written in like special ink where like the real message shows up later. Or it could be incomplete. You know, maybe what he was writing was both an actual will and testament and some other additional information <laughs> that is now the part that's missing. Yeah, send everything to my son. Also, fuck the government. Yeah. <laughs> right. But uh, we don't know any of that now. So when we talk to, to Kazuma, we, um, another info dump of like the backstory of... Everyone is telling us the backstory in this chapter. Yeah, it's just everyone's got a bad case of the info dumps this time. Oh. Jeez, I think it's something in the water. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, here's my tragedy. <laughs> no, wait, I need to tell you my tragedy first. Yeah, so what he just he just sort of came to in a cabin when they were about to, to put him off in what, Hong Kong or something. And he just takes off on his own and knows that since he understands English and he knows the law, so he, and he has this sort of thing in his head going, go to Britain and practice law. That sort of is almost, you know, his, his drive to get there. Um, and so his, he also goes into the whole backstory with his, his father because he had been told, I think, it, the whole time that his father died from illness when they were traveling. Um, and he had always suspected that wasn't true because they were always kind of fishy on the details. But eventually he just gets a, a straight up letter, an anonymous letter mailed from uh, England that tells him exactly what happened. And it's, it seems like the letter was intended sort of as someone who's angry with him. I think he thinks that it's one of um, the professor's victims' uh, relatives that just yeah. found out about, about all of this and decided to send the professor's family like an angry letter. I mean, isn't that Von Zeke's or Van Zeke's? No, I don't think so. Like, that's what I thought. It, it was him that wrote it. Because, like, he would have known Japanese, maybe, because of being around a Japanese person all the time. Oh, my God. What if they were trying to cancel him? Right? And just, like, you need to disavow your murderer brother or else, right? Or father, rather. You know? <laughs> brother? Wow. But I, you know, look. I know. Von Zeke's has, has a brother and Cosma has a dad, and it's very confusing. I'm with you on that one. Listen, I'm trying to come up with topical humor on the fly here, and maybe... <laughs> Maybe grind alien isolation trophies while we're talking, you know? It's a lot. It's a lot of multitasking. Maybe. But, you know. <laughs> Die a hundred times to the alien. I mean, come on. Get out of here, people. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we're, I digress. But. Yeah. So, anyway, after after Cosmo gets this awful letter, he shows it to the judge. Um, <laughs> and, like, even though he tries to cover up his knowledge, like, the he gives it away right away. Like, Cosmo picks up on the fact that he's lying. That Like, oh, yeah, this is clearly this is the truth. Um, and so he's 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 vows at that point that he's going to go to Britain and uncover the truth for himself. Um, and so 
Uh, when they, when you ask him about Von Zeeks, he still believes that Von Zeeks is the Reaper. And we we state like, no, the the Reaper was Gregson. Like that, those words get put in our mouth, which still feels weird to me because I don't believe it for a second. Yeah. Um, and now, and also, like I, I still kind of think like I, I'm not saying Gregson isn't involved, but I can't see him being like the the actual brains of the operation, or even somebody who isn't trying to undermine whatever was going on. Um, but anyway, yes, yeah, as soon as so Renoscape believes that it's Gregson and, and Cosma doesn't. Um, and clearly, Cosma uh, has, has a grudge against Von Zeeks for being the prosecutor in the, in the trial of his, his father. Yeah, like his his kind of words are like, um, he died because of Van Zeeks' actions and therefore he's responsible. Yeah. And then so you, if you show him the autopsy report, then you can go visit Maria Gori. Oh, just he does also give us uh, some backstory on his sword. Uh, yeah. Just because he just oh, really yeah. can't help himself. And this is where he points out that uh, Karuma, it was like made by like a master swordsman who like was descended from like warrior clans or whatever. But like one of the uh, sword masters, like apprentices actually took this, the sword's name as like a surname. So that's supposed to be like the origin of um, Karma in the later games. And that doesn't make any sense in the English version. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's cool. In in Japanese, yeah, this is supposed to be the origin of the Karuma prosecutor. But I, you know, it doesn't really make sense either way because it's this guy is like this guy is such a good prosecutor lawyer. I'm gonna change my name to his sword, <laughs> and you know what I mean? Like I don't know, like some German guy too, presumably. No, he's not German in Japanese. I mean, I guess he said Mein Gott first, but, you know, still. I tell you already, this is not German in Japanese. Oh, yeah, that's right. In the Japanese games, everyone is Japanese. The entire international cast thing is entirely localization invented. I see. All right. Well, then that does make a little more sense. It's more fun to imagine my version, though. <laughs> yeah. You know, I gotta say, it's always a master smith that always makes the swords. It's never just like, here's a... Here's Toby. He made our he made my sword. Toby the Doug? You can't have a sword named Toby. I don't think you name swords. Like who the fuck <laughs> names their sword Toby? <laughs> well, Gina, obviously. <laughs> I just think that you just you don't name a sword unless it's made by a master swordsman. Like what's the point? I guess yeah. I mean you'd have to name them like the fish in finding Nemo is the only way it would really work, I think. Because like otherwise you know what I mean? Like your your regular sword you make by the, the hundreds, right? You only fold that one like 30, 40 times, I guess. I don't know swords, but you know, like <laughs> yeah. And it's like this is this is Harry number forty six. That's the only way it could work. And then the really good ones like, oh well that's the dragon slayer looking up sword names on google you have to think that like the master swordsmen are like you know there's a limited amount of, of swords they can make so they're not going to give it to every old schmuck who comes in looking for a sword they're like no you don't get a right. sword get out of here and so you gotta think there's guys out there like buying us going to like steve the local sword guy and then they name it themselves like i'm going to give it a name i'm going to give it it's going to be a name steven's sword i don't know but i'm giving my sword a name <laughs> Oh, I don't care. Listen, listen. It's like when you go into Build a Bear and they give you a little certificate when you walk out. <laughs> it's not at all like that, I know. Would you like your would you like to pay five dollars extra for your sword to eat souls? Wait, hold on. Wait you did just explain NFTs though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's that's like NFTs. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, because swords have like an intrinsic value to them. <laughs> you can use swords for stuff. No, but the certificate has no intrinsic value. <laughs> if you were like, here, I'm going to go to build a bear. I'm going to build a bear. And then I'm going to sell you this certificate they gave me at the end. It's just as good as the bear. <laughs> well, now, I, now I'm imagining right, yeah, swords that. that are like, they're all purple and rainbow and shit. They've got glasses on them. Are we reinventing NFTs? <laughs> and then these like robots come out and they're like, I don't know what you're laughing at. That's gonna be the future. That's those sword certificates. <laughs> you better you better get on the frickin' ball here and get some sword certificates. Yeah, if you don't get on this, you're gonna get left in the dust. Clearly you just <laughs> haven't educated yourself about these sorts of yeah, you people. <laughs> Good luck buying bread from your family when you don't have any sort certificates and I have all of them. Do you see these? These are all my mortgages. I have so many. <laughs> They're non-fungible. You can't change these certificates, alright? It's not possible. <laughs> anyway. <coughs> So uh so it's time to visit Maria Gori uh and ask her about the, the the missing time of death. Yeah, and we can actually see her face this time. Well, I want to point out before we get into anything, uh we've we go back into the morgue and she's turned the desk into like a little puppet stand, like a little puppet show stage with a bunch of little dolls on it. And the dolls are super cute. Like there's like a little like stuffed plague doctor. Right. He's got the little mask and and a, like a cat. There's there's a little clown that looks evil. A hanged skeleton. Now, how old do you think she's supposed to be? I don't know. 13. 34. Because they, they made her a coroner. Well, you know, Iris is an author, so what the fuck's the point? <laughs> yeah, but Iris did it on her own. And Iris isn't an official, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe Gory did it on her own. We don't know that. I... I, it's probably like coroner seems like something that you would you would need to apprentice for it, right? Like you, so you've got to learn a lot for it. And maybe she's just the one who knows the most now that Courtney is in jail. I think that she's thirteen or fourteen because she's in that really edgy phase where she's always sharpening her sharpening her knives in front of us and talking about death and and gore and stuff. That's super edgy and cool. Yeah, that was definitely the age where I would just recite Edgar Allan Poe at people. So yeah. that checks out. I read this awesome comic called Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Check it out. We're going to go hiding out in the cemetery just because we can. Yeah. But she does have the Plague Knight mask, which I think is cute. Yeah. Also, her ribbon her ribbon on her coat is a little, like, sad, stitched face. Anyway, that's enough about her fashion. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, she was... She was, and, and on to something slightly more important is that she was ordered not to put the time of death on the on the death certificate. By who? Lord Maelstrom. Yeah, she she thought it was inconclusive. Well, it, we ask why Lord Maelstrom told her not to put the time of death on there. And the answer was that it was like not important or whatever. No, she, she couldn't determine the time of death. And then... um. Strongheart told her that if it can't be determined, then it's not important, then she just shouldn't write anything. Yeah. But the reason that she couldn't determine it was was, was not because the body itself, uh, she couldn't determine it from the body itself, but because she found um, a fish uh, in, his, in his pocket from the fish and chips, which was beginning to mm-hmm. rot, which didn't make sense because it didn't... It, the, the timing wasn't right, so she it, right. It made it suspicious. 
Yeah, especially because he eats it's suspicious. fish so often, it's, it's not going to start to rot. It's got you know, he'd have to be dead for a while. Because the, the, the body was fresh, but the fish wasn't. Right. And she does have a hypothesis for this. She does think that, like, well, okay, so what could have happened is, like, if you took the body and, like, threw it in, like, some industrial chiller, then that would disguise the time of death. But, like, if, if the overcoat wasn't on it at the time, then the overcoat... Then the, the fish in the overcoat would rot, but the body would look like it died later. Um, but I don't think it's like, but that's that's all hypothetical. It's like I don't think that that kind of thing exists, like in London. Yeah, it does fit with our theory, though, that he was killed much earlier than we we are told he was. I do want to say that we get to this point after having like a little moment with her. Like I realized that we barely know this character and she's probably not going to appear again, but she has this little moment where she's like afraid of becoming her mother, which, you know, she doesn't want to be disgraced for having covered stuff up. So that's why she's so forthright with this information and even her own hypothesis on it. Mm. Finally, a character who's like, it makes sense that they're forthcoming to us. This is of course, after her, uh, like going into literally gory details about how Gregson's autopsy went and how nice it was, like how how nice he was to dissect, and it it gets kind of gross. Mm. Until we're like, hey, 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 what if we didn't talk about that actually? <laughs> and then she's like, anyways, do you want me to do that to you? <laughs> I haven't seen the the guts of an Asian person just reminding you, you know, but. Mm-hmm. I think she actually does say that at one point too. I mean, I was making a little joke. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, she, yeah, she definitely, it's definitely there. Um. Oh, the next thing is, um, she talks about the fact that her mother was. So she didn't just do the autopsy on, on Genshin. She did the autopsy on Clint Van Zeeks, which determined that Genshin was guilty. Well, she was the assistant on that one. Yeah, but she made a discovery that helped uh, helped him. Um Determined that Genshin was the culprit. We don't we don't get told what the discovery was, though. So. Right. We do get told that the the primary uh, like uh, coroner on the case was Doctor John H. Wilson, uh, and also that a a visiting student was also there, a visiting student from Japan, who is trained in medicine. <gasps> I don't know if we explicitly say that that was Mikatoba, but it's. Very clearly implied. Yeah, I think she died, but yeah, but the that that autopsy is missing after a visit from Herlock Sholmes. She allows us to look at it. We went to look at it and see what's written in That's there. That's right. And she allows us to to go look at it, but we can't find it in the files. Um, and she remembers the last the last time that she saw it was when Sholmes came to visit a year ago. Mm-hmm. And, with Iris. Yeah, with Iris and took a look at it. Um, and after that happens, Iris gets all panicky and, and runs away, basically. Yeah. Like, well, I've got, I have something that I need to do right now. Goodbye. <laughs> I mean, was that before or after she was, you know, the coroner threatened to carve her up? Because that would be understandable. Yeah. Now we go back to the crime scene. Yeah. Um, to talk to Gina again. Yeah, but she's not, she's not there immediately, but there's a trunk on the floor that wasn't there before. Uh, right. And when we try to look at it, then she shows up and claims that we can't touch it because it's hers. Right. Let's see here. So then when we talk to her, yeah, she, um, so 
I think she tells us, like, Gregson's notebook, right, had all the details of crimes committed. Oh, actually, we can open the trunk now, too, right? I think after we, after we talk to her about everything else, I'm no, kidding. Yeah. You're right, you're right. Anyway, sorry. Um, she found the name Shin in the notebook, but she doesn't know what that could be. Yeah, it kept coming you know? up. Right. Um, she did some investigation of her own. She won't tell us about that. Then you have to give... Um the sort of way you're going to trick this is you're going to um, give Toby um, like I think you give him multiple different things but I gave him the hairpiece um, mm-hmm. which I gave him the watch yeah and I think you can give him other stuff too um, but he um, clearly you go to he'll be like find more stuff from this person and he immediately points to the trunk so it's clearly Gregson's trunk and Gina admits that she found the trunk uh, I guess at that point it was Sandwich had it um, he had just taken it from the scene. When they all rushed in, he stole the truck. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so that's when she'll allow you to sort of go through that. Um, and you, it gets entered into the court into the um, the court record again. Yeah, but immediately when you try to investigate it, you get attacked by Toby. Yeah. <laughs> who goes crazy. Oh, that's right. I forgot all about that. So it's kind of vague as to what happens here. Like, does he actually attack us or does he just like lick us a lot and then we fall over? I think he licks you a lot and you fall over. Yeah, which I couldn't tell was like, is that like the translator or the localization team like softening like Toby actually attacking you or something? But like, no, I think he was actually attacking you here. I don't. I, I got the impression that it wasn't just that he was actually going crazy for a while. Yeah. One second, I, I can't remember the actual way this game ends, even though I did play it a couple of years ago. But I assumed that it had something to do with how the Hound of the Baskervilles got yeah. pushed into attacking. Yeah, There's yeah, something yeah, exactly. in the trunk that makes dogs crazy. Mm. Which, like, then would kind of link Leaden Credence in a way to... Well, no, I guess not. I was going to say that Gregson was the Reaper or something, but then that doesn't work, because it's not... It was, um... The the professor, right? But then that doesn't make sense. Well, Gre- no, I mean, it, maybe I guess it could, right? Maybe Gregson was the actual professor. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, it doesn't seem right, you know. It, but it's like one of those things that like points to it. I mean, I I think because uh, like after after that, we we wake up back at at home, and Shomes is like Shomes kind of uh, chastises us for getting knocked out by a moderate licking from a small terrier. That's right. Yeah, I know it happened. I know what it is. Wait, Gregson's not the professor. He found whatever the professor uses to make dogs angry and accidentally got him on itself. And when he was in that Fresno Street room, a dog came in and shot him. <laughs> Shit. Huh? What there do you think you is in there that makes the dogs so angry? NFTs. <laughs> Sorry, anyway. Uh, so. <laughs> so I just went back and checked. And yeah, when Toby, when you, when you go to the trunk and Toby goes crazy, the animation is Toby just in your face barking and and showing teeth Gina says stop you're gonna lick his face off and then when yeah and then when he regains consciousness later on when you get it when Rinoski's back at the at Holmes's suite um and yeah that's what Holmes makes the crack about Maybe it's rhyming slang what can what can lick mean yeah a moderate licking by a small terrier so they yeah they both refer to it licking but I guess the animation doesn't show any licking well I mean this is also Sholm saying that so he probably would have said that if our face was torn off <laughs> well, Rianosuke also says like all I remember was a dog licking my face again and again um the thing is is that he does they, they gave him like a or they didn't have a cold compress so they put like 
sugar on him for some reason. Sugar water on him. <laughs> but so I, it seems like maybe he he was licked by the dog, but then like fell and bumped his head. So then he act, he did manage to get injured, but I don't think it was because of a dog bite. Toby would never hurt anyone. He is a good boy. Toby remains pure. Yeah. Is is that sugar water thing? It, the sugar water thing is that like an actual like you know home remedy? No, I think Sean's just put whatever he had on us. Okay. That, yeah, I mean, that's sort of how I read it, but I was also just like, oh, maybe. Oh, I, didn't even, I, I didn't even think about it. I was just or like, maybe okay, it's whatever. like that old thing. It was like, oh, you got a black guy, put a steak on it. Yeah. <laughs> you get licked too much by a dog, for you some sugar. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we go back to Holmes and Sweet, and the first thing we find is this bizarre scene where there's someone uh, lying on the couch. Uh, who? I'm sorry. Did everybody else figure out who it was right away? Yeah, it was um, pretty oh, obvious. Yeah. Good idea, it's, supposed, yeah. it's supposed to look like Mikotoba. So, okay, it's Mikotoba on the couch, wearing his normal hat and his normal outfit, and I think you can see his mustache, but he's got a he's got a mask on, and he's there's like it's Kazuma's mask from earlier. Yeah, Kazuma's mask, and then there's like uh, referred to as a scarf, but it's just like some kind of like you know frilly uh, cloth, like a doily. Oh. Doily, yeah, laying on the laying on his chest. Iris is there, uh, standing uh, and in silence. Yeah, she's just looking guilty. Yeah, and he's clearly knocked out. Like he's clearly not conscious. And the, there's a German song playing. I should note, that, like at this point, I noticed Iris. Iris had uh, like puffy cheeks, so I was like, okay, she. I I made the internal joke to my ma- myself. Okay, she's hiding a frog in her mouth. <laughs> and I'll just put a pin on that for later. Yeah, so, I mean, and then, yeah, there's German music playing in the background, um, but we're supposed to... So then Holmes comes in, um, and it's just it's a bizarre scene. And and Holmes's, uh, Holmes's response is, is he has to go into a great deduction dance, um, which he thinks that this man is German uh, because he's singing because he's Germanic singing. songs, which clearly he's not singing. His mouth isn't moving. What I like about this entire scene is that uh, Iris is kind of like the focus of the investigation and she doesn't speak she can't speak for some reason uh but she's clearly she's clearly very annoyed with everything sean says yeah as she should be and she's she's locked in what the games need for her to only tell us later what's going on uh so she can't move for game reasons and uh and so he's he's sort of dancing around each time she'll give the indication um because like when he says something completely wrong she'll look over to the a, a certain area and you get this sort of indication um that you know she's for for her uh, she's looking at, at what is causing something and he makes the wrong assumption so yeah he's saying like oh no there was a you gave him some herbal tea that was too strong and it made his spirit sore and now he has to keep singing this song over and over again um and it, they talk about he calls him the uh the king of Germany once showed up at his suite, and which is a reference to a, a Holmes story. The the uh, um, the but, well, uh, they say later that it he actually helped out the king of uh, Bohemia, which he, is he didn't remember it right. Yeah, it, so that's a reference to scandal in Bohemia, Bohemia which is right. which we've already done because we had the the Gotts von Ornstein, like we had the kid earlier. So, like, we've, we've already done the Scandal Bohemia. We can't do that reference again. Yeah. Well, they do tell us that whoever Holmes did help, the, the King of Bohemian, was that kid's father. So, 
Yeah, but he keeps getting, not only is he getting everything wrong here in his assumptions, but he keeps remembering things wrong, like calling it the King of Germany instead of the King of Bohemia. Um, well, it works, it works better with uh, why the man is singing in German. Right. It explains him clearly singing in German. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, he'll, it, so, and the reason why he's, that she's trying to hide everything is because he broke the favorite coffee cup, which is what she's trying to cover up. Um, you know, and then, and so of course, all this has to be course corrected. Um, you know, because the at no point does any of the king of Germany coming over, drinking herbal tea and breaking Scholz's favorite coffee cup make any sense whatsoever. So, uh, <laughs> the best part is that the next thing you're going to do is correct what she was look, what Iris is looking at in the beginning, and she wasn't looking at the person singing she was look, looking at the uh, the, the gramophone. gramophone because clearly this is just and then Holmes is, uh, Holmes at one point goes oh that's right why did I buy that record <laughs> 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 Which, you know okay and uh, and clearly you point out that the max the mask belongs to the Cosma um, and then you take the mask off and it's Megatoba and then the next yes. thing that happens is you show the um the metal chest was what she was actually looking at, um, not the coffee cup. And Holmes goes and opens the chest and immediately gets knocked out by like a Looney Tunes Acme like boxing glove, like cartoon boxing glove. Yeah, <laughs> and I love this. I love this. He punches him in the air. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and he lands exactly on top of Mikatoba in the exact same position. <laughs> and that is not there for the rest of this scene. Mm-hmm. So we have to do it without him. I just love that. Just perfect gag. 10 out of 10. Susata takes, takes, um, does some stuff for him. Iris, uh, before uh, he gets hurt, though, uh, does do a little animation where she shouts no at him, finally breaking her silence, mm-hmm. telling him not to open it. And so, yeah, you, you eventually find out that what she was actually trying to uh, hide was the key. Uh that she was, she apparently had it in her mouth instead, not a frog. She had, she had the key in her mouth, which she spit into her hand and tried to hide behind her back. Um, and this whole time after Holmes is knocked out, it's Sasato and um, uh, Ridosuke trying to like sort of do this, do the deduction dance on their own. They're not really course correcting at that point. They're just sort of discovering further what, what happened. Just feels wrong without Holmes there. It does feel wrong. Um. And Holmes uh, wakes up and points out that Iris was was trying to take the teacup handle away at the end. But if you look underneath the plate she was holding, that's where she's got case file, which turns out to be the the uh, Maria, the, the Clint's autopsy report that Maria Gori had referenced before that was missing after Holmes, Holmes and uh, and Iris had shown up there. Um, and the reason why, and this is this part whole here, this this whole explanation here gets very convoluted and doesn't get resolved, but. What happened was Iris showed up with with Holmes, sees that the person who filled out the uh, the autopsy report or was actually uh, that that handwriting matched that of her father because the only thing that she had been told beforehand was that her father was Holmes's partner. He had taken a bunch of case notes. She had read the case notes, which she eventually based her stories on, but um, were in a person's handwriting. And then, but was never told the, the, her father's name. So when she finds the same handwriting in the autopsy report, 
And that autopsy report is signed by John H. Wilson. She assumes that John H. Wilson is her father. So she steals it, brings the notes back, uh, the uh, autopsy reports back, and confirms that it is the same handwriting of the two people. Which, like, what a wild thing that's for that. To, the only fact she knows about the, is that these case files are written by your father, and she's never given a name. <laughs> but this is the first time she's seen a paper with the handwriting and a signature on it. And that's also when she decided to start writing these stories. Uh, and also to become a doctor, I think. Yes. So all these determinations she's making off of the assumptions he's making and all the information that's being kept from her, but all the, the stuff that, that she's kind of sussing out on her own. I mean, I don't think it's a it's an unreasonable assumption to think that this thing being written and then signed, you know, that that person who signed it is the person who wrote it. It seems perfectly reasonable. Yeah, it's not an unreasonable assumption. Oh no, I think she's probably she's it's a, it's a reasonable one. It just turns out to probably not be true because what what we find out then is that because uh, Mikotope show regains consciousness and comes back into the scene and um and it turns out that. Sholmes' partner was, in fact, Eugene Mikitoba. Yeah, we, we find that out because Susata takes a look at the file and recognizes the father's handwriting. Yeah. Um, I really like it. I like that. Like, the reason that the stories are about Holmes and um, Watson are not because it was actually Watson, but because Iris thought it was. Yeah. And those are the stories that the world knows. Which immediately raises the possibility that Iris is Mikitoba's daughter. He denies it. And and it seems like he's genuinely denying because Sasato now turns on her dad because he's like, wait a second, if you are you didn't tell me that you were Sholmes' partner, this guy I idolized for years, and you also, have you are you telling me now that, that you were you fathered Iris, even though um, I've always been told my mother, my mother died when I was younger and, and you never mentioned this. And he says, no, wait, it's not what you think. Um, so And then he, he's about to tell her what the actual situation is and Sholmes shows up and is just like nope we got a case to go on Mikitoba let's go it's, the game's afoot it's time to go no time for explanations we don't do that in this game we only go and do things <laughs> and we tell people later there are a couple of more things I, I think we do we are told at some point that the reason Mikotoba went to London in the first place was because I was his mother died and he was like a wreck Susato's mother yeah Susato's Susato's mother um and also, we are told a little bit about how they, how um, he and Sholmes met, and it's he, he was looking for an apartment, and he didn't have much money, so he was looking for a roommate, and that's when he met Sholmes. It is the actual Watson story. It is that he was just, uh, he was studying medicine. Holmes was not doing much and was just sort of researching things at the at the same place, and that's when they decided to split rent on a on a nice place and went on adventures. Yeah, mm-hmm. for years, and this is this is where all the all the everything that referred to to Doctor Wilson being involved in all this kind of stuff was just the the wrong name matching the the, the handwriting that it's always been Mikotoba. The Mikotoba really needs some royalties here. Then, <laughs> <laughs> also, it begs the question: Is 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 Mikotoba been the one doing course correction? Was he the one that always did that back in the day? <laughs> <laughs> Oh. And that's his auto is why you didn't have a father growing up. <laughs> I, I love this twist. This um Yeah. I think it's really great. I didn't I didn't see it coming. It's a good twist. Yeah, me neither. I I immediately felt like I should have because like he's got the hat. He's got the hat, he's got the mustache. <laughs> well you can't just be like, oh he's got Wilson's hat. He's probably Wilson. He's got the hat and the timing doesn't work otherwise with, with actual Watson because 
Iris has been told that Watson was not was was away from the country, but Watson hasn't been away for ten years. He's only recently come to Japan because yeah. Mikotoba invited him. He just he looks so correct wearing like this this Englishman's suit and the, the little bowler hat. And it just like when when he first showed up, he just looked really comfortable and correct in all the English attire. And uh, but not enough for me to for me to mention or or really file that away. And then now I'm just kicking myself. Obviously, I mean probably because Holmes doesn't look like Holmes. Mm-hmm. He's got the hat though. You you got to trust the hats. He's got the hat, but that's about it. <laughs> you can't just go buy hats every time. I I don't see how that would have led me astray at any point in this game. But not in this game yet, but I'm just one of these times you're going to go by hat and then you'll be wrong. Remains to be proven. But uh, yeah, that ends the chapter. It's then taking off this unresolved. No, for the first time, we don't end a trial within an episode. And uh, and it all sets us up for the final one. I'm actually excited because when it 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 ending just before the trial kind of tells me, okay, this is going to be one long ass complex trial. Yeah, there's a lot of threads that need to be resolved and just there's going to be a lot of exposition. So, that begs the question, of course, is how far do we go? Yeah, you, you, you probably know best because you did it most recently. I did. Been a bit. Um, Alright. So this next, this next part is broken up into, you know, a trial with an investigation in the middle. And a trial part two, and I'm actually just going over the notes because if I recall the invest, yeah, all right. I think we'll have enough to talk about if you finish trial part one and the investigation. Sounds like a lot, but it's not that bad, you know. So, and I think that gives us, I think that brings us up to a to be continued. So I think it's like it's very obvious where the where the mark is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's gonna, yeah. This is, yeah. It's, you'll, you'll definitely, yeah. Exactly right. It's a, yeah. It's safe point stuff. So, alrighty then. Um, mm, um, sorry, I'm just looking over again because I will say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll see the TV continued exactly. Um, alrighty, cool. Well, until next time, folks. Don't touch swords or name them.